0: Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I am here today with Dan Jones from the Aspie World. Dan lives on the autism spectrum, and he's got quite a well-known YouTube channel um, and plenty of social media outlets there under the Aspie World. And he's going to talk to us all about it today. So, Dan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hey, it's my absolute pleasure. I love doing this kind of things, and uh, I run my own podcast as well, so I know I know how it goes, and I know the yeah. It's it's just good to be here. So, thanks for inviting me on.
0: Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I'm particularly excited to have you here because as anyone who listens to the show knows, um, I love having international guests on because the differences in the healthcare mm-hmm. system and the way that um, you mm-hmm. know, your, your condition has been approached may be, may be different. So kind of excited to learn how that's been for you. So yeah. I love to start right at the beginning. Can you tell us when and how you were diagnosed with Asperger's and what steps you took to control your health from that point on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, prior to actually having a diagnosis, I knew very little about autism. Actually, it was completely uh, in the dark about it. I, th- I knew nothing about it. It never kind of come into my life where I needed to know anything about it, ironically. Mm. <laughs> so um, I knew nothing about it. So what happened was I was, I'd always been like I failing at school and stuff like that. And I, I have difficulties in, in jobs and things. And I was always kind of like quite a bit you know a bit odd and a bit out there and people didn't really know how to take me and blah blah mm-hmm. blah and my girlfriend's mother is a mental health nurse so when I got together my girlfriend her mum was like obviously I'd, you know have been around her mum quite a bit she asked oh is you know Stan, has Stan got autism and then we was like no not that I know of
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: so she asked me and I was like no I don't have so you were an adult at this or, point
0: you know. and you hadn't been yeah to I 20
1: yeah I was in my 20s and um because when i was a kid so when i was a kid like my parents took me to see all kinds of like um specialists and and things like that and they were just you know back in the 90s up in wales which is quite rural compared to the rest of the uk there was no way they were going to be able to um diagnose anybody with autism because it it Mm. just didn't exist you know there wasn't the the protocol wasn't there. So she asked that. And then and I was like, I didn't think any, anything of it. So I was doing this access course to science because, um, as a lot of my fans know now, I'm, I'm, I have a degree in chemistry mm-hmm. and, uh, to do that, you know, leaving school with no qualifications, I had to go back and, and do this like access to science course and then do another access course and then do the degree. So, um, sort of like an associate ac-
0: out here, it sounds like yeah, you sort of had to do of like required you- courses
1: that's correct yeah they had to basically yeah. assess you on your ability to do mm-hmm. stuff before they even grant you permission to potentially do a degree which is crazy sure. right so i did all that stuff i thought okay fine you know like let's do it so i i was in um uh in the in a class with a woman whose son has asperger's like right? mm. and so she said to me she was like oh you you're very similar to my son and you know, she saw some of the hallmarks, and I was like, okay. And then she kind of discussed, and well, I was like, hmm. And then the, the pinnacle came, and this is all in the space of like a couple of months, really. It was quite interesting. Uh, the hmm. pinnacle came when I was in work, and uh, I had a huge like meltdown at work because I changed my desk around, hmm. and I'd had the same desk. It was the longest standing job I'd had, and so I'd had the same desk for like two or three years, and then they changed my desk around, and. It was quite. It was really difficult. Like I, I, I couldn't understand, and it was like, and then I had this crazy meltdown and like huge attack in work, like, ooh. and then they sent me home, and then, and that was really bad. It was so bad that it took me weeks and weeks to actually be able to go back to work. So I was working from home wow. for a bit, but anyway. So they sent me to the doctor, and I went to see um, a, a, a counselor, mm-hmm. and uh, through this process, then we um, we were referred to a hmm. autism kind of like assessment, I guess you would say. Hmm. Um, and then we went to the autism assessment and we did like two or three assessments. And then, yeah, they, they I scored really high on the hmm. AQ test and then they were basically said, Oh, you know, you have like Asperger syndrome with ADHD and OCD and stuff. So I was like, so oh, this was when, this. when I'd already had
0: diagnoses were still, it wasn't like the whole spectrum. They diagnosed you very specifically. right?
1: Yeah. It was, it was actually, so it was in 2013. So hmm. the DSM five update came up, came out just after I, mm. I, I was diagnosed. So, so I still had, I had the Asperger's diagnosis when and now it's obviously ASD, but, um, it was funny because, uh, I think was, I was probably one of the last people here in Wales to, to get that Asperger's diagnosis, you know? So, yeah. um, and so that, that was that, but I was 26 years old, uh, when I, when I had that, but I'd obviously previously had dyslexia diagnosis because going through school, obviously they, they you know, I was in special ed programs and things. And so they, they knew that something was amiss, but they didn't, they, they just couldn't, they didn't have the resources basically to figure that out. So that's how, that's how it came about.
0: And mm. it was quite interesting
1: because it was liberating. So when, when we found that, we were like, oh, okay. And so then I had to learn, like, what, what is – why is Asperger's syndrome? That's kind of like why I started my channel, actually. But Yeah. Um, and then, well, because so, yeah, so much of that, what you do on
0: the channel – sorry to cut you off, but so much of what, what no, you do I'm on sorry. the channel is educational for people who are looking in from the outside and going, what is that? Why Why is this the way it is for people who are living with these conditions? And you break it down so that it makes sense and it's very clear and easy to digest, and as you say, I guess you were processing yeah. that information at the same time
1: yeah that, that's exactly right I mean what, mm-hmm. like and I'll get, I'll get on to a little bit about how I started and, and what what the, the aims of the channel kind of yeah. were and still are really but but afterwards just to answer the question that you asked initially was what did I do to to manage afterwards mm-hmm. um, we had some information given to us by uh, the the, the assessors, like basically like, you know, all about autism. I was referred to an autism specialist called Simon Mosley. Who's like an expert in autism here in the UK and or Dr. Simon Mosley, should I say, but I didn't <laughs> get a chance to see him because he went to study somewhere else again, but now he's back. I am, um, Uh, I've been referred to him again to see him. So he's quite Mm. an interesting guy, but he's very good. And so I'm going to see him just for some therapy. And then I was referred to another guy, basically a key worker who comes to your house. um, So he came to see me like every week. I could see him like twice a week if I wanted to. But he came to my house every week to make sure, and this is all government funded as well, to make sure that Mm. I was okay. He was an ASD development worker and he helped me out in every section of like everything. So he helped me through like the, the, you know, going through the degree process, like helping with like disabled student kind of access, all that kind of stuff, just fantastic. So mm-hmm. that's how we managed initially, is because David Oliver, this this guy who was assigned to me as a key worker, he um, he was just fantastic, got me all information I needed about everything, and kind of like taught us a bit. Give us like a DVD about like Asperger's and stuff, and and then so, um, but his his job came to an end because the 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 Tory government we got in place now the Conservative Party, mm-hmm. um, their nickname is the Tory Party, um, mm-hmm. and they implemented high um, austerity measures in the United Kingdom, which trickled down. <laughs> to wow. cutting local funding for all kinds of social care. So I actually lost David Oliver as a key worker. I haven't had one since. So, And that was back wow. in Yeah, that was 2012, 13, yeah. four, maybe 2015, maybe. Yeah,
0: so five, six years ago. I mean, it's interesting because it sounds like anyone who might be getting diagnosed on the spectrum now isn't having the same level of care that you did when you were diagnosed. So in a oh, sense, no, you're absolutely. lucky.
1: Yeah, 100%. Even with the university. Like when I went to university, I had to di- disable student access. Like they gave me like a MacBook and I had a mentor. I had an in-class note taker. I had a, um, a a buddy system. In, in, they had somebody with me in my labs and stuff to make sure I could actually understand the instructions, because that's a huge, huge issue for me. And so, but now they they canceled all that, like, you know, and and I'm telling you, I wouldn't be able to do my degree. I wouldn't have been able to do my degree if I didn't have that access.
0: So you have definitely benefited from some of these social services that have now been cut. And that's a very clear indication Mm -hmm. of the changes that have happened within the NHS because of, as you say, what's trickled down from the government, which we're going to get into. But I'm wondering if at any point along this journey to diagnosis and beginning to understand yourself, whether it was difficult for you. I mean, I know that it must have been kind of weird to have a lot of people come up to you and and say, do you think you're on the spectrum? Do you think you have Asperger's? I mean, was that offensive? Was there any part of it that really took you aback?
1: well, not, like, you know, not really, because I didn't know anything about it. Mm. You know, it's different if someone comes to me and said, oh, you remind me of Donald Trump, you right. know, because then I would have known, oh, I know who he is. I know what he does. So I knew nothing about Asperger's syndrome. I didn't know what the mm. term was, you know, so yeah. it was it was bizarre. And, and funny enough, like when Naomi, my girlfriend, when this happened, she was actually doing her degree in childhood studies and childhood development in autism. And so wow. one of her, um, yeah, it was really funny, actually. Yeah. Um, taken her by interest and then it kind of made sense that she was interested in it because she, and why she took interest in me i guess because she found that kind of like insightful mm. so it, it was really good so we we, we kind of got to learn uh, you know a bit a bit from like what she what she was actually learning um we you know we could take get take them from that but also um it it was quite like again i, I just googled stuff like just finding mm. you know, what the heck is that? and the stuff i found was just was, was not good because, you know, yeah. most people want video and all and the old stuff I was reading mm-hmm. was like really outdated blog posts. And it was just... Well, and I'm outdated. sure a
0: lot of the stuff that you were finding then as well was stuff that was probably written less by patients and more by people observing from the outside, be they caregivers or otherwise, which doesn't always put the most positive spin on these experiences either, does it?
1: No, I mean, that's, that's exactly it. That's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why, like, I made... Um, I did like, an, uh, I've made some online courses that uh, people mm. can get through Patreon, right? And one of the reasons I did that, people said like, oh, how come you, where'd you get that idea? And I thought, well, there's nothing, like the mainly people teaching are people who are like experts in the field, but they're not people on the spectrum. So I thought, well, mm. you know, it'd be better to teach from a perspective. So you're absolutely right. Almost all the literature written academically about it is, is from a professional um, perspective and not a personal one. So yeah. I think that re- that really kind of like, hit me home and not, nothing to say that like, don't get me wrong. I just want to say that like, there's nothing wrong with the professionals. They're doing everything they can. Mm. And that's a great thing because if we didn't have those people, I wouldn't be where I am today. But, but in terms of moving forward, it, it's, it's nice to kind of evolve and grow with those things. And I think that's what, you know, that's what we, we were, we're seeing develop now with this kind of like new movement of like patient led kind of content um, yeah. and patient led books. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of writing my second book. So I, I've got one book out, um, at the moment, I got a bestseller actually in the US and the UK. That's with,
0: amazing.
1: Um, I know. Thank you so much. It's something <laughs> I should forget. Actually, I'm looking at, I've got it. It's in three languages as well. You can get it in Hungarian, wow. Italian and English. Yeah. And audio as well. But and that book is kind of like, it was like a philosophical book. I was talking about how I used um, like Star Wars as like a crutch growing up with, with, mm. with autism. It's really interesting. So it's a cool book, but I'm writing my second book now. And this, this second book is kind of like something I've really not seen anywhere. Again, from like a patient, like, you know, th- the book is kind of my my journey of like you know what i 've learned and what how I see the world and, as in like those things hmm. but then also hacks and how to how did I overcome those things how did i how did I move forward because I had an advantage of I went to a mainstream school but with special ed hmm. programs where people typically would go to a special school, right? Mm. And then work their way up to go to normal school. So like I had this like I said normal school, but you know what I mean, like the normal mm. school system. But I but being forced into a typical school system mm. gives me an advantage where I was forced into having to it's like sink or swim and I have to swim as fast as I can. And I learned so much. So yeah, so it's kind of yeah, it's exciting now and I love I love, you know, just being able to help people really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it also sounds like uh, while you were in the process of being diagnosed and learning about what you're living with, you also had these advocates built in, right? Like you had your girlfriend, you had your girlfriend's mom. So there were people who were coming out of the woodwork around you who were able to support you through mm-hmm. that. Is that right? So did you you felt that you had advocates aside from yourself as well?
1: Um Yes and no. I think mm. you know a mental health nurse who was specialising in dementia care, which is what Naomi's mother is. Um, it was kind of like she only knew so much, you know. Right. It was like very limited, so her level of care was very limited in mm. terms of advocacy. Uh, advocacy was very limited. But if you look at like Naomi, she was currently studying a degree, so that was a high level of, of care or uh, advocacy. But still, was you know it was it was novel at the time for her. Mm. So. In, in terms of, that, I didn't really have anybody. The only person that I had close to being a proper advocate and I could lean on for, for information was this one called Heather, who was doing this course. I mean, her son has Asperger's as well, so mm. that was literally like that's it. Well, and David Oliver, obviously, but then obviously David's kind of you know got cut loose, and right. but you know it it was I, I was kind of out there, you know. I had to kind of just I don't know, like almost
0: you were on your own a bit, kind
1: of like because I was. I, yeah, I was on my own, and then I decided that I would share that experience of being on my own and how what what am I doing about it. So if you're on your own, you're on the desert island. Like, how do I mm. how do I fix this problem? And that's funny because that that I love problem solving. That's what pr- primarily why I, I like maths and chemistry, right? Because I love mm. problem solving and putting things together like Lego. But um, and that was the same thing. Mm. I had this problem where I <clears throat> didn't know what, you know anything about Asperger's and I'm thinking, well, well, I just have to solve this issue. I will have to learn and teach and do my yeah. Thing,
0: you know? So you really learned to become your own advocate. Sounds yeah. Like. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. And, and kind of, yeah, that's exactly right. Because I knew that like, I, I, so my background is, is like in performance. So I've always, I've been a, a uh, performing musician uh, most of my life so I'm, I'm in a band we're signed to like, a couple of record labels and we, had a, we have a record out in japan and i do a lot of keynote speeches right and i say to people right. like Pro- problem versus solution problem solving gives you how, how you overcome things it's trying to rock people into a different way of thinking like the outside of the box theory so mm. i um yeah I, d- I use that as an example i was like i knew nobody in japan i couldn't speak japanese yet i managed to get a you know a, a, a number five I, I actually we chatted higher than um some 41 which is like a really big american wow. rock button uh, sorry, Canadian rock band. Well, North American, but Canadian rock band. Yeah. We were higher than them. We were higher than them in the charts with our album. So that was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so so playing, playing music and being a performer gave me this kind of ability to be more entertaining, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought, wow, we could entertain people whilst like advocating a serious cause. And so, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so that's kind of how I came up with this, like the idea of what I was going to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's really exciting. So what does a typical day look like for you as you're balancing the demands of work and life and being aware of balancing your own needs how does that work out for you day to day
1: that's a loaded question yeah <laughs> uh, you know it, it's funny like it's it's very it's very difficult to balance everything mm. and the balance of everything is you know the balancing of everything is balancing my, my needs, my specific needs. And those specific needs do get compromised by the balance of life because, so I have a partner, Naomi, and then we have a, a son mm-hmm. uh, and he's only like 19 months old. So he's, he's almost like, he's almost two. And, and so, you know, that's, that's demanding and children are it, amazing. Like children, it's so funny, but, but at the same time, so I got this family and I love them and like, I want to spend time with them. But then I also have my work and I, ah, I love my work. Like mm-hmm. my, my work is like a, a second child, you know, like it's, it's everything to me. It's my life's work. And so I just, I just always want to work, you know, I just yeah. always want to do stuff.
0: Cause it's a passion. So
1: It is. It's the passion. It's the drive. Like I want to make so much content, you know, if I could work, mm. like if I could not sleep and just work, it would be amazing. <laughs> and, I, and I currently, and so I, I just, I just did this thing where, uh, I, uh, well, I'll tell you exactly how I do it. So, so a typical mm. day. Okay. Let's, let's talk about a typical setup. Mm. So I try to work your typical kind of like nine to five, you know, and yeah. then, and then the rest of the time from like half past four, because I know I like a clock off like half past four or five o'clock, but like mm. from half past four till like seven o'clock, I'm with the family. We have like dinner and we watch a little bit of Netflix or something together or whatever. And then um, we'll bath my son and then he goes to bed and then me and my partner will watch maybe some YouTube. Maybe if we, we might watch about 45 minutes of YouTube, but usually just debrief and talk and just chat mm. and have some tea. And then we go to bed. So I get up at 5 a.m. Wow! In the morning, um, and then I do this routine, and this is this is relatively new, but it, it's something that this is definitely bouncing me out. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a routine where I get up and I do this thing called the Miracle Morning. I don't know if you've heard of it. By yes, you're not the I'll first work,
0: person right? who's actually brought that up to me. Yeah, interesting. Oh,
1: okay. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic book. And um, I had the audiobook because I'm dyslexic, so audiobooks are the way forward. But mm-hmm. part of my morning routine is to encourage myself to actually read written word. So I slowly but surely work my way through a book called, um, oh, it's by Napoleon Hill, it's a very famous book called uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Oh, yeah. Hill yeah yeah it's great great book but i've obviously got the updated version so the language is a bit more kind of modernized mm-hmm. um because of course this book is written a long time ago but you're certainly um, on the self-improvement
0: so, train as well with your yeah, uh, exactly
1: so one of the, yeah. yeah one of the things like you and i know and this is this is the thing i'd say like my my brain works in a way was like what can i do to improve like i always want productivity to be at its highest right mm-hmm. so my day is always trying to get the most out of things and i remember i, I I was on the NHS for dentistry, but then I hadn't been to dentist for ages. And then my, my tooth crumbled away. And I was like, oh my goodness, so I found my dentist up and he said, oh, you haven't been in six months, so you're not on our books. You're going you to have to go and pay for it somewhere. And I was like, oh, oh no. Shit. So yeah, and this is, this is going back a few years. So I went to a private dentist and I ended up paying like, uh, I'll try and convert, for probably about $600, right? Just to mm-hmm. get my, my, my teeth fixed, right? And it was a huge blow to me. I was like, as was a young man. I was like, oh my goodness. And then it made me think about my my teeth and I wasn't taking... I, I, how can I, when, I, when I was thinking about it, I thought, oh my goodness, I've just lost like, you know, four or 500 quid on 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 the teeth. And I'm thinking, what a waste of money. I could have just saved that. But then I'm thinking, no, no, no. Like I needed to invest that because my body's the only thing worth worth investing in. And I thought yeah. well, myself is the only thing worth investing in. So if you don't invest in self-improvement, then you'll only decline. You always have to strive for greatness. So this miracle morning gets me up at 5 a.m. I do like meditation, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. Uh, wow. not in that order, but I do all <laughs> of those. Um, and then I hang out a little bit I, I, and then I start work basically. Part of my scribing is I, I set up my list and I've got like a to-do list. So I run my, my entire life on my iPad pro. It's mm. The best thing ever. iPads and iPhones just changed my life. And so I have apps, apps that just, just amazing. Like just mm. absolutely amazing. So it, it, my day runs on apps, alarms and like calendars, notes, um microsoft to do which is an app and uh trello and the shortcuts on the ipad pro like everything all that runs smoothly
0: so it's really creating Um, structure for yourself
1: every day yeah 100% because i'm really bad at like organizing things i needed to that i needed that organizing stuff to be taken out into like an assistant but a digital Mm. assistant because i have a hard time like you know, try, I wouldn't work well with somebody, a physical assistant. It'd be weird. So yeah.
0: Someone telling you um, what to do. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, when you, yeah. when you're so like, cre- like, I'm, yeah. Is yeah. Why well, you're very creative as well.
0: Book. You know, I mean, you. I think <laughs> it's that it's the, it's also something that happens when you have a creative mind. Like obviously you have, you've got Asperger's, but you've, you're also a creative person. So you need the structure, but it's better if you're in charge of it and you can be in charge of it with these digital assistants and apps.
1: Yeah. Well, I, exactly. And these things run my life. And so mm. I, I trying to find that. back. but the problem, the problem I've got is I'll kind of like sneak downstairs, um, in the evening and I'll start working. And then my girlfriend would be like, well, where, where the heck are you? Like I'm in the living room because our <laughs> office is in the downstairs of our house. So mm. like I'm right now. And so it's the downstairs level of the house, the office. So, um, I can always, I can always just like sneak off, and I'm on my phone, or like sitting down watching Tally, and I'm like on my phone doing so. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm like checking mm. stats, or analytics, or something." So it, it, that balance is difficult. One of the ways in which I manage the balance is I take my Apple Watch and my iPhone, and I put them onto airplane mode, and I put them at the side on the, on the on the on the counter, and then I sit whenever down whenever you're I with your family. That's right. Yeah, mm. um, and I dedicate that time. Uh, it doesn't always work, you know, you know. Nothing's perfect, and I'm not the you know not a perfect person. Sometimes it does. I do kind of just like get my phone because it's like a habit as well. You're trying to break habits, mm. um, and so that's kind of how I balance that. But in terms of like where the, where autism kind of like uh, self care comes in, I have to do things like I take medication every day. Mm. Um, so I have I have you know prescribed medication from my psychiatrist, which I I'm very much like a natural kind of like vitamin type person, mm. but it gets to a point where my, you know, like my tics—I uh, have like tics—and then like I hit my head and stuff, and so those things were getting too too much. You know, that's too much, and it it, it made me feel like. I, I felt kind of like a bit in despair because I, I couldn't stand hitting myself. I and you almost kind of resent yourself because you're you're doing this. So I needed a change. So I'm, I'm co- I I have a therapy once a week with a counselor online, which That's is cool. Great. I use mm-hmm. a, an app called BetterHelp yes i know Um, that app yeah and then yeah i actually just did a video on them because they they basically said to me hey do you want to try this out and i was like okay so they gave me like three months for free right and i was like that's "That's
0: amazing
1: and then they i know and then they gave me uh like an affiliate like link and they said look if you if you want you can talk about it and hand out affiliate link and maybe that's a way you can i was like okay cool so i actually haven't done the video yet so i'm actually paying for it myself right now which is Mm -hmm. how much i believe in it and but the affiliate link slash um the, the affiliate link and the video will be out this week i think friday or saturday oh that's exciting it, it is and it's so cool so i do i do therapy like that then i also have a psychological intervention with uh another that's simon mosley uh, which i will on to see and then um i i actually have a sensory diet as well so i try to i exercise in the morning obviously on mm-hmm. my miracle morning then mid-morning to early afternoon i go for about a two mile walk as well mm-hmm. and then in the in the afternoon, most days I'll try and do some more exercise. It doesn't always work, but I, I like running. So today I run th- almost four miles. So um, wow. I, I do like running. So And what that does is it helps um, cement this thing called uh, deep muscle proprioception, which is mm-hmm. uh, helps with sensory processing disorder, which stops me kind of walking into doors and door frames. Because one of the things I've got is that, like, I don't know how far to open a door so I can walk through it. My space, My spatial kind of like perception is completely off. Wow. And like putting like, cups down on the side like i don't know how far away and um mm. but i think one of the things i struggle with most in life is um i well, one of the things physically is uh what do they call it micro motor skills or fine motor skills mm. so like putting keys in doors you know and and and, and turning like little things movement. minutia yeah. it's super mm. difficult yeah and it's absolutely like incredibly frustrating mm. um and i haven't found a way to overcome that yet so yeah. That, is it is, is it just practice? It.
0: Is it just sort of saying, "All right, today I'm going to commit to doing ten minutes of fine motor skills training" yeah. or something like that? I have no idea. I try mm. my
1: best. Like I'm gonna whiz my iPhone. I can like you know text type yeah. my iPhone with my eyes closed. But in terms of like putting keys in indoors and and just like the stupidest things, like picking things up, like it's so bizarre. Mm. And and I but I found and I didn't know this was something that was common in autism, but it it, it really is like a lot of people. I spoke spoke to say so they have the same thing. So it's kind of, wow. Mm. And so, so that was quite, um, yeah, that, that was just like
0: crazy. I mean, the spatial awareness in general, spatial awareness is a huge part of the spectrum, isn't it? So as you've discussed, yeah. even the, you know, putting cups down and walking into doorframes and stuff, it's interesting. Yeah. So you found a way to help with that stuff with the larger yeah. items, but it's yeah. the smaller but things. The smaller that have ones, yet, right. Yeah.
1: And, but and that's interesting because cla- I'm sure
0: you'll figure something out and then you'll be able to share it with everyone
1: Ho- hopefully I've got a couple of <laughs> ideas um, <laughs> I'm thinking about trying to um maybe like use like elastic bands like strengthen the muscles in my sure feelings.
0: yeah but like, that I'm, makes a, sense. I'm
1: a bass player and a guitarist right by by, <laughs> by trade like before I was of a, a bass player so like i I'm used to but they they're quite big ba- it's a different it's a different experience mm. right it's a really different experience. Yeah, picking things up and putting keys in doors is nothing like playing Well, a that's guitar.
0: all one small thing, whereas a guitar or a bass, they're Multiple. large instruments. And then you have yeah. small pieces on those instruments, but it's still a larger yeah. item that you're and dealing I- with
1: yeah I guess i'm not I'm not pincer grabbing something you know mm-hmm. like with a bass guitar um but i uh the, the I just want to clarify something though with with the sensory diet that I was talking about what mm-hmm. activates proprioception, it it doesn't cure sensory processing disorder in terms of like spatial awareness and stuff but what it does do though it it helps minimize um how can I explain like um it's kind of like when I do those things, I'm almost like it's in a sleepy haze. Like, oh my mm-hmm. goodness, how did I think that I wasn't going to through this door? When you've had like proprioception, like wake up, waking up your muscles and your body and stuff, you're a little bit more aware of the fact that you're about to open this door. So you take taking care. So you might still touch the door a little bit. You're not going to rush through it. You're not going to, it's mm-hmm. not going to be a haze. It's going to be a more active thought. That's the only way I can explain it. Um, and I did that with a, an occupational therapist. I, was doing, I did some occupational therapy and it was just phenomenal. It was like, absolutely mm-hmm. blew my mind. I was like, Wow, so it's not just diet; it.
0: it's exercise as well. It's like yeah, a whole so the, lifestyle sorry, change. Let,
1: let me say that the sensory diet mm. is not consuming food. It's it's uh-huh. it's the sensory diet is is practicing, and it's simply this: doing exercise, activating deep muscle proprioception um, every every two hours. Um, mm. Basically, a, a proprioception uh, muscle kind of wake up will last you about two to three hours.
0: So wow. that's pretty much the, the principle. That's very cool. I've never heard of it. And I'm excited to watch your video on it, which we'll also post on the website page for everyone to check out. Oh, gosh, of course. Yeah. So have you ever been in a position? I mean, I know that you got diagnosed later in life, but have you ever had to justify or validate to others what was going on with you, particularly perhaps like at university when trying to get accommodations and things like that?
1: Um, well, luckily for me, actually, just an accommodation, I was actually, the university is a 20 minute drive from my home. So mm. I was actually able to drive in every day. So I didn't actually have to move anywhere. Thank goodness. Cause I don't know how mm. I would cope with that. Um, I've never had to justify it, but, but af- after being diagnosed, you know, after having a mm. diagnosis, you almost become more confident in yourself because you, you're like, I, this is me, you know? But before that, it was kind of like, you know friends would be like oh can you let's let's all go to uh our friend's stag do you know we're gonna go mm-hmm. our bachelor party we're gonna go to amsterdam and drink i'm like oh my god like <laughs> the thought of stepping foot on a train and then you know all that was just like too much for me so well
0: it's so you know, much that you can't control isn't it like so yeah much that you exactly. can't predict yeah
1: and, and and then they would be like oh why is dan not coming to these parties you know why doesn't dan do this Why didn't that?" and you kind of like you feel like before the diagnosis, I'd have to try and justify, like, "Oh, I'm not feeling well, guys." You know, I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, "I've got this thing on," and then they kind of start cutting on the kind of like, "Oh, why are you putting these things off?" And it's hard to explain. And I remember we were in um, we were recording uh, our first album, which we didn't even release that version of it. We recorded it with Sony in the end, but we were signed yeah. to a label in Manchester, and uh, we were we were recording in, in the studio in Manchester. And then they wanted to go out to this like, they wanted to go out to a bar and have some drinks and stuff like that, and. So I was like, oh man, I, I really don't, you know, I, I can't, I can't deal with that. You know, I'm I just mm-hmm. want to sit in the studio. We'll just hang out. And then the studio engineer was like, well, we can't leave you in the studio because you could typically rob us blind. So we all have to move on. <laughs> nobody moves. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, okay, I get you, I get you. So then he's like, and then my, my, guitarist and I had a huge, um, like bust up because he was like, why are you being so childish about stuff and blah, blah, blah. And like, it was just so difficult. You know, when you don't have a diagnosis, mm-hmm. it's so hard because, you, you try and explain something to somebody and they, you don't even know yourself what it is you know? but
0: so. everything in your mind and body was telling you that you didn't want to do a thing
1: yeah but you couldn't yeah.
0: explain why yeah 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 and like
1: and like I, I say this quite a bit on my on my videos and stuff and any, anytime I do some like live streams and if, if it comes up I say it quite a bit where uh, one of the things I'd love to do is just to like go to London you know London town or Camden or whatever get a cup of tea sit in a cafe on my own I just could never do that. Like it could never happen, and that's kind of heartbreaking because you know, I'm a 33 year old man, you know, and then these like 18 year old kids living in London, like independently, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, and I look at these, it's just incredible, and it's incredibly upsetting. I don't mean to put a downer on this part of the the podcast, no, not at all, but it's real, it's like, yeah, it's real, and it's, and then you feel like you almost feel less of a, an adult because you think, oh my goodness, these kids can do the stuff that I can't even do. And, mm. But I try not to let that kind of bother me. Um, I just do me, you know, and I, and I like doing stuff, you know, mm. whatever, you know, and stuff. But, you know, it's weird. It's kind of like, and, and I'll explain it. I've got a really good way of explaining what it feels like so people can have a, a visual of this. Have you ever seen the movie Beetlejuice?
0: Oh gosh, Yes.
1: Okay, cool. So in Beetlejuice, Adam and his wife die <laughs> in a car accident, don't they? And then mm-hmm. they go back to the house and are soaking wet. And then they try to leave the house, and when they open the door to the house, there's this sea of like um, the, the, like a what they call it, like a desert, like a sea desert. And then they they have these huge snakes just whoa! And it's like this crazy, like oh my god! And they have to shut the door really quickly.
0: It's, it's like exactly a big surrealist like that. painting, isn't it? When they open yeah, the door.
1: It yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just, it's like, whoa, it's like a sandstorm. And then there's like these snakes and stuff.
0: And that's what that, it feels like.
1: That's what it feels like. So mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm on, if, if somebody said to me, right, you have to go from this office in London mm-hmm. and then you have to go a mile down the street to this place. And like, give you the address, and you get, even if it was on my sat-nav, on my phone, like if I had it on my phone, it just, it's too much. It's like, that's what it feels like. And mm-hmm. the weird thing about it is if somebody was with me, if two okay. or three people with me i'd be way way more comfortable because i don't i don't know what it is i i i, I can't even explain it like
0: is it that is it the idea of other people taking control of your routine i don't know if it's i don't know if it's that i feel
1: like because it's so i think it i think it's like delegation of things because mm. i can't focus on i can't focus on trying to get to the destination when there's so many people are around me and there's so many sights and smells and sounds and so when, when someone's taking care of the navigation, I, I can mitigate the, the unsteadiness of the uncertainty, of the people around me. Mm. So I think that's what that is. Um, but even then it's not, a, it's not a nice feeling. I'm still getting there dripping with sweat, you know, like it's, it's still mm. horrible. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just horrible. Like I can remember. But like this is also was, very
0: typical of, of living on the spectrum. It's that, yeah. you know, these changes in routine, this lack of control over your surroundings can be very triggering.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And, uh, and I used to get so upset. Like, I remember I was, I was literally just about, about about a week ago, maybe four or five days ago, I was talking to my girlfriend. We were out on a walk, and we passed my old primary school, which is like uh, kindergarten, I think you guys call it, I think. And, and so I was going from and, – and, and then when I migrated out of primary school, because I used to live right next to the primary school, mm. my high school was about half a mile away. And mm. so my brother and sister were still in high school when I first joined high school in 97. Yeah, I'm super old.
0: No, but, I started um, high school in '97 too. Then yay. you were like, you started early. Wait, I started high school when I was 14. Oh, I guess you were because I'm a couple years. I was, older than 12.
1: You. Yeah,
0: I was 12. Oh, so yeah, because you start. That's right. You guys, the grade levels are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And, <laughs> and, and so for the so for there was uh, the first year, my my sister and my brother were walking to school with me, but then they left, and mm. for about two months before the summer holidays, or about a month, I had to I had to school. what's going on. So I just it was horrible, man. I, 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 it was like, it was like trying to, it was like trying to get from the supermarket to your car with your eyes closed. Mm. It was horrible. And so I just like prep myself up and i give it a, I'd just run out the freaking door and like, and mm. just like run all the way and just try and figure out where the hell I was going. You know, it was like, it was like escape from New York. It was like that scene from 1917. Is it like that new film? that came out?
0: I haven't seen um, it yet. Where but guy I'm sure is like it's, running like that. it's like
1: <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff going on and he's like running down this thing. It was just, it was just horrendous. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was just, I, and I never use this word. One of the words I never use in the, in the world is hate because hate is such a negative thing around it. But mm-hmm. I absolutely hated school. I hated the whole process and I just, pff, it was because it just didn't work for you. No, it didn't. Yeah,
0: work. the structures didn't serve you and your needs.
1: It's crazy. No. Yeah. Not at all. But yeah. It, it did mold me to who I am today. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, You never kind of like regret things, and you never kind of like don't don't like, I don't know, don't wish differently. But you just kind of just go, okay, well, what did I learn from that experience? And that is the the best attitude to take.
0: Mm, Absolutely, I think that's really true. So, do you think that you've experienced any particular privilege or prejudice within the healthcare system over there, the NHS? particularly as it regards self-identity. So in other words, because you're a white male, can you see your circumstances having perhaps been different if you presented otherwise?
1: Absolutely not. You know, Mm. I think the NHS is fantastic. And we live in a multicultural society in in the UK. It's a fantastically multicultural society. And if you've lived here, you'll know exactly what I mean. Like, Mm. it doesn't matter. There's a a very small group of people, a very small group of of, of far-right kind of extremists who follow this guy called Tommy Robinson. And Mm. they... They're the people who caused Brexit at the end of the day, but they—they're only a very small minority of the country, and they—they're um, the only people you'd ever get prejudice from. But in terms of the NHS and healthcare system, it doesn't matter where you look like, it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter who, you know who you are, it's you know where you right. are, it's yeah, it's, it's it makes no difference. And I love that mm-hmm. about this country. You know, we're very, we're very you know, not some of the you know, the the consultants and the doctors there from, you know, maybe India or Pakistan and, and, you know, they, you know, they're a minority group themselves and, mm. you know, so it doesn't matter. I love that about this country because we're just people and that's how we should be seen. So I've never experienced anything like that or any privilege from being a white male, you know, mm. not at all. The only thing I would say was that because of the way the old school systems for diagnosing autism were set up by, um, uh, well, Hans Asperger and uh, Leo Kanner, like the old systems they set up, were w- geared towards males because they didn't realize that females at the time. Because I don't, know, I have no idea why. I think it's because females present themselves differently. uh And when I say females, I mean born genetically, mm. you know, female organs. It, they present themselves differently to males. Uh, with autism because of the way that their brain structure works like no typically Mm. binary like by ancestry traits forget about social identity we're just talking about like how human evolution and and we work and so i think that those traits that we we inherit from from our our predecessing forms of of hominid it kind of carry through and so when you see autism you you see these those same traits of, of typical humans masking in females where it would be more present in males. And so I think that's mm. fascinating, but I think that the the NHS lets down the the, the females in, in that respect, um, mm. because again, everything they know is geared towards males. So, well, and also because like
0: testing it, and, and the DSM, as you say, have been based on research on, on males. males and not on females. Quite yeah, as and much. Then
1: it's yeah. definitely changing right now. It's absolutely fantastically mm. changing. One of the, you know, um, you have one of the most famous autistic people in the world. Um, uh, goodness me. What's her name now? The woman. Um, uh, Temple oh,
0: Grandin. Yep. Temple Grandin. Yeah. yeah. I was like, who's he thinking of? Oh, of course.
1: <laughs> so yeah. oh, doctor Temple Grandin. So, yes. you know, the, the, the whole thing is, is, is changing and the national autistic society here in Wales, um, or here in the UK, should I say, they're actually, they're running courses now on, you know, on specifics for, for females um, mm. and how to diagnose and do all those things, which is great because it really bugs me that you know that the, the, it was always set up like that. But it's it's not something that I want to get annoyed about and get angry at people about because it's just how it is. You know, just mm. kind of like we could sit and look at the segregation of, of um, African Americans and white Americans in America all till the cows come home and see how horrible it was. But if we look at the progress we made and Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, and, and Malcolm X and you just think, wow, you know, these people were visionary and they did some great things and, and that's how it was because people... People are willing to
0: create change, change. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, of course. That's we hopeful. Just have to, yeah. yeah. So we just have to kind of follow this. There's no point in just like worrying about what, what we can't, haven't have done. Like think of what mm. we can do and things. So. Yeah. And that's you can't change
0: what has been, I, I guess is your point as well. No, like exactly. The idea is to we change to what will we'll be. It. Yes, absolutely.
1: 100%, yeah. And like, I think yeah. it was Gandhi said, like, uh, uh, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm. So just stick to that really.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you're very much living that way and we're going to get into it. Can you tell us about more about the Aspie world and, and you've also won a WeGo Health Award. Yeah. So I'd love you to, I mean, I know you've dug into it a little bit, but tell us really, you know, about the growth of the channel and, and what this means to you and, and, I mean, you've told us sort of how it started, but I'd love to know how you see it continuing to develop in the future and and the response you've been getting from people.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when I started the channel, I, I didn't think it would ever be as big as it is now. It was never, mm-hmm. I never, ever thought that would be my job or my career. I just, mm-hmm. it just happened, and and that's an amazing thing. And I learned so much in the process. But in terms of what we're doing now, we're trying to create social change through support and community hmm. and, and so one of the, the the big drives is we're trying to raise understanding more than awareness because everybody knows you know about autism now i mean it's everywhere i mean you, you've got uh, i'm seeing channels doing shows on different things and talking about autism and it's great because of the work we've done making autism awareness a thing hmm. but now we should move into more autism understanding and so we're trying to do as many info videos as possible across all platforms um, to be like a dominant education Education force, mm. uh, excuse me, <clears throat> from an autistic point of view, and it doesn't have to be me. That's why I have a, I run a, a podcast, video show, where I interview other people as well, and we talk and we share their videos on on my platform. And so, um, the the future of it is we want to be able to create um, heroes, you know, like mm. so people can look up to because my like the feedback I get from. I get lots of different feedback. I get academics and professionals messaging me saying, Hey, this is amazing. Can you come to our hospital and teach blah, blah, blah. And I say, yeah, okay, I can do that. Then I get parents sending me like cards saying, thank you so much. You know, I understand my kid better. This stuff is just amazing. And it's mind blowing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, okay, this is cool because they it's reaching those. And then the thing that really gets me is, is when I get these kids, who message me and say, Hey, you know, I've been a, a freak my whole life, you know, and mm. I felt odd and outcasted and, but you're so cool. And like one of the things I try to, I try to show people, you know, I got tattoos, I skateboard, um, mm-hmm. I play music. Like I, I love, I I sing, I play guitar. I know all these things that I think are, are cool. And I want, I want that image to come across so that kids can, because autism is freaking cool. It's just like my website mm-hmm. says, and I want them to feel that and it does work. And so the feedback I get from people saying like, you know, it's cool. You're like, you're my hero and they like freak out when I message them back. Cause I message everybody back by the way as well. So I, I love it's to amazing. connect with people. It's not a blanket message. It actually is a personal message from me. I love it. And sometimes mm-hmm. I try to send selfies or a little bit of a video, depending on what, what time I have available. And, and I just love that because what I want to create is, is someone autistic people can look up to young kids and just be like, yeah, they can aspire to do something. Cause so I think I feel like, you know, when their parents get this, like, Oh, they're diagnosed with X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm then they kind of, they live that, you know, and they mm. live that diagnosis when they shouldn't, you know, they they, they should just be themselves. And mm. the parents, unfortunately, become the kids' biggest critics because they say, oh, they can't do that. You know right. what I mean? It's like, well, you know, I don't know. And so I'm dyslexic and i got a best-selling book out in three languages, two, you know, in the United States. That's UK, right. So,
0: That's right. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. mean, you
1: know, and it's published as well. That's not, I was not a publisher. i got a crazy mm. publishing deal with this. So like, you know, I'm dyslexic. I, can, yeah. I get my letters from the government on a CD so I can listen to them. That's how dyslexic I am. And mm-hmm. how do I do it? Well, you overcome it by problem-solving. This is typical mm-hmm. of what I'm trying to teach. So, so this is the thing. How, how I'm moving forward is teaching problem-solving through creating autism heroes. I'm trying to work a little bit more into TV right now so mm-hmm. we can create real-life autism kind of like advocates, because again, you look at people like, oh, I'm an autism champion, like some like Mm. football player or something like wearing an autism speaks t-shirt. It's like, okay, but you know, where's the, where's the hero? Where's the autism hero? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're putting more of a a cool face on what it is to live with a condition like this, whether you have the condition yourself or you're a caregiver or a loved one Mm. as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, And I feel like I'm giving
1: a a voice to the people who are kind of like selective mute because everybody on the spectrum is different, right? Mm. And I just, I'm blessed in the fact that I can speak very vocally about what I'm doing and my vocabulary is is very, um, you know, broad, big and broad. And I can express myself in so many ways. And I think like, I should use that, using it for good as well. So, yeah. yeah, and that's kind of like where we're going. We're just trying to push out as much content as possible. Like I said, you know, we're on every single social media platform going, um, and even even a podcast, a blog. I mean, we even have an Alexa skill out. So, you know, it's we, we do a lot.
0: You have an yeah, Alexa skill? So, yeah. Tell us about it, because I'm gonna I'm gonna obviously be using this now. I love that.
1: Okay, so it's it's in beta testing. You can still download it.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but uh, the content is a bit. Um, it's not launching until probably the summer, the full content, you will get content on there uh, randomly. So basically Mm -hmm. what it is in the skill, which is called a um, flash briefing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in the morning you get your your news, your weather. Yeah. So you can also get a little snippet of like, it's like a, it's like a, I don't know, 15 second micro podcast from me wow. no so well what we try to do we, we have one minute that's what we're testing this is the beta test so mm. you can just type in the aspie world into alexa skills mm. thing and you'll find it you can download the app and, and install it and so we um one of the one of the things we're doing we're testing either one minute clips right it's like a one mm. minute kind of podcast like a one minute podcast yeah or like a 15 second one we're trying to we're, 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 we're doing both we're doing 15 second and one minute we're try, testing to see which one's kind of reacting and get the, the best engagement on. So, that's so like cool. A, yeah i know <laughs> i love it, and, it costs, <laughs> and the thing is i figured out how to do this at zero cost because wow. absolutely nothing to create an Alexa skill and i it's like a hack i just figured out how to do it using rss feeds and which is like wow. wow one of my one of my things is i'd love to be like like the 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 dude in an advert for like you know um i don't know you know like you know in the middle of like the nfl they like show commercials in the middle of it like yeah. you know the dude like you know, you know there's a guy playing like I don't know skateboarding, right? And hmm. advertising like Nike freaking skate shoes. Sure, but you know, a cystic dude doing, it, you know, because there's no nobody's doing it. You know, you know when you see you get, like a, a Down syndrome uh, model doing a like catwalk and everyone hmm. freaks out. We've had loads of those and it's great. And I love it. And I'm like, yes.
0: And we need more more of it. it. Yeah, yeah, we do. We
1: absolutely need more of it, Mm. but there's no, there's no autistic people. And like, I want to, I want to be like, I just want to flagship it because Mm. not because I want like attention, because I want to prove that it can be done. One of of my quests is this, and I've never seen anyone do this Mm. men's health magazine. Check us out, Men's Health magazine front cover are these strapping dudes who look physically healthy, right? Mm. Strong physical health shows on the front of Men's Health, but never talk about men's mental health. What yeah. if the front cover of Men's Health was a strong mental health uh, advocate, right? Like that. That's and I emailed them, and I emailed the Health magazine and I, uh, Men's Health magazine. I said, "You need to do this. Yeah. Autism Awareness Month is coming up. You need mm. to have." An autistic, strong-minded, you know, because a good, a good physical health and a good mental mm. health is sexy. You know, they want. I want. I want to show that.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. Nobody
1: listens. It falls on deaf ears, man. But we're gonna yeah. do it. And I'm driving forward with 120,000 people just on YouTube behind me, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna steamroll over this stuff. I love and that. Gonna be like, shoot.
0: Well, at this rate, you're gonna have your own magazine anyway. <laughs> You'd be able yeah, to put maybe. yourself on the cover every every uh, issue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to be. And like, what I'm trying to say is I just, I just, yeah, I want pre- to prove to everybody that like it, it can be done. I don't want to be the like, guy do that does every single time. I just want to, because nobody else is not like nobody's brave enough. It's just that nobody's, I don't care. Like, I'm just yeah. like, okay, fine. I'll do it. I will hundred percent do it. You know, if they say, because every, I feel like everybody's quite rec- like, that's why people look to me and say, Dan, can you do this? Can you review that? Can you do a video on this? I'm like, yeah, because mm. I'm not afraid to take those issues, those issues to somebody. And anyway, but
0: yeah, I think that's I amazing. I mean. All right. I've got, I've got one more question for you, but this is sort of a big question and we've touched on it a little bit, but yep. I'm wondering in what ways the NHS in your experience is, I mean, we know what ways it's working for patients on the yeah. autism spectrum, right? In what ways do you see it falling short and requiring improvement? Is it about reinstating all of the cuts that have happened to all of these ASD programs?
1: I mean, I've been this quite a lot. I mean, yes, that, yeah. that is one of them. Mm. Funding, funding for the programs that they cut, like ASD development workers, that's, that's one way. Um, but I think, you know, the statistic is this, 40% of all GPs, which is your physicians, mm. 40% of all of those, don't have any knowledge of autism so mm. when you go to a, 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 wow. an NHS establishment not only are the, are the staff forty percent of the staff of just the doctors let alone the nurses and the other kind of staff, not you know you're looking at more high rate of them don 't know anything about autism mm. the buildings themselves are not autism friendly they're not yeah. accessible you go to a hospital the lighting's not accessible for autism you're mm. treating patients man one in one hundred people in that room it's going to be on the spectrum. that's the that is the data statistic from this country. you know it's one mm. in 60 in america it's one in 100 here. so you got to think none of those rooms are set up for one in 100 people. like yeah and and the staff are not educated in it. so what, i think one of the biggest changes that the nhs needs to do is they need to re uh reinstate the funding they cut for the mm. programs that they had running they're slowly doing it. There's a new, there's a new mm-hmm. initiative called the, um, uh, the integrated autism service, which just came out and they're doing a fantastic job. Great. Uh, they really are. And I've worked with them on a couple of things. That's how I got the occupational therapy to them. That's great. So they're they're working really hard and I, I, I applaud them, but they also need to educate all NHS staff as a mandatory thing. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I read that the government has said this has to happen now. All public section work, uh, sector workers will be Educated on autism, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know mm-hmm. if the government will do it, but we're going to try and make them stick to it yeah. as hard as we can. I briefed the European Parliament a couple about a month or two ago on Good autism, on and, um, and they basically asked a similar question: like, how what what help is needed? There was a guy from the NHS there, and there was also a guy from um, the National Autistic Society there. So I, I kind of, I briefed them, well, I briefed everybody in Europe really on it. Um, mm-hmm. I know France is doing a lot actually to, to help now. But and I said, you know, that's what we need to do here in the UK. So yeah, there's lots that need to be do, that needs to be done, and there's some things that they are doing, but I think we just need to keep that pressure on really and just hope hopefully. I well, I know we, we can do it, we can achieve it, but it's gonna be by building community and strong um, understanding programs, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna get there.
0: Yeah, I love that. All right, here's the fun bit. I have two top three lists for you to round out the interview. Okay. And the first one, I'm wondering about your top three tips for someone who suspects maybe they've got something off, maybe they've been diagnosed on the spectrum. What would you recommend for people who are entering this world of invisible disability, um, you know, and, and possibly looking at trying to treat and, and live more comfortably on the spectrum? What would your top three tips be?
1: I mean, the first tip would be um, self uh, self-love like mm. I one of the things I, I was I was prone to was I never I never loved myself I never I always felt like oh Dan you you're an idiot you know I'd tell myself that I'd be like oh, idiot Dan why would you do that mm. but don't don't beat yourself up you you be proud of who you are because you know as long as you're not killing people you're pretty decent mm. you know yeah. <laughs> I mean it takes a long it takes a lot to 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 really hate yourself you know there's very mm. few people that do so just just give yourself a bit of a break and say okay I love myself the second thing is confidence Mm. have confidence in yourself you can do the things that you want to do um you just have to have that confidence and and the self-belief that you go okay i just need to figure out a way around it because mm. ev- everybody has the ability to do something it's not about it's not about what you can't do it's about what you can do mm. like i always say to everybody I- i'm i'm not a chef i'm not a bleu chef. But I'd never wake up in the morning and go, oh, "I'm not a cordon bleu chef." I wake up and I go, "Cool, I can make some killer toast," you know. And so, <laughs> yeah. and that's, and I'm good at toast. So I get up and I make some toast, and I'm like, "Dude, I'm, this is the best toast you're gonna say." So, mm. so that, that's that's, and then the last tip, biggest thing for me, I would say, don't be afraid to ask for help. I think one of the mm. things I was too proud of is. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go and see, you know, psychiatrists and therapists because I was like, oh, I'm a strong dude. You know, I'm going to be able to do this on my own. I'm an independent guy. No, <laughs> mm. you know, there was there were certain things I needed to help. I medication. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be okay with vitamins. But yes, I'm good with vitamins, and they definitely help. And you know, cutting caffeine out of my diet helped really calm me down, a little bit. And <laughs> sugar and stuff. Um, and yeah. still climb the walls. But you know, <laughs> um, honestly, you should see me in like Sunny Delight. I could like eat a <laughs> phone book. I'm, I'm imagining in you with a
0: climbing gym. And- inside the, the house <laughs> oh dude like
1: my my girlfriend like i'm so like i'm so <laughs> calm right now compared to what i know and um it's <laughs> uh, great yeah but, and but i would say like you know and if if don't don't pe- don't let people like pill shame you don't mm. you know it, you know there's a lot of drug shaming and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it i mean like if it helps you and you feel like it works do it yeah you know, like do it. just Do what's best for you. If you look after number one, then everything else will fall into place. Because basically, if you're not looking after you, somebody else has to look after you. (laughs) You know what I mean? And the the other thing is that if you're not loving yourself, then how on earth is anybody else going to love you? Mm, I love that. And if you, yeah, so, and that's Mm -hmm. it. And then if you've got no confidence in yourself, then, you know, nobody's going to be confident in what you can
0: do and go
1: from there. Yeah. Nobody's going to be, somebody else is going to have to like build you up or someone else have to hold you up. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. you have to just be you because. The thing that's funny is that you are amazing, and people just need to realize that. Like it's mm. so funny, nobody, nobody just go like go, shoot, I'm amazing, and you, and you are. Everybody, listen to this right now. Have a sit down. Have a serious talk with yourself and go goodness me, I'm amazing and I need to do this because mm. Dan said so. I, I'm watching. You know? I'm <laughs> yeah. going to be checking up on you. There's yes. going to be a test later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there'll certainly be an email at the very least. So there you go.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. Last top three list. Top three things that give you unbridled joy that despite lifestyle adjustments and, and changes that you've made, that you're unwilling to compromise on. So this could be like top three guilty pleasures, secret indulgences. It could be comfort activities when you're feeling yeah. uncomfortable. What works for you? What makes you so happy you'd never give it up?
1: Oh my goodness. Skateboarding, number one. Yeah. Um, watching UFO documentaries, alien documentaries. I <laughs> love that. Um and taking pictures of mattresses on the side of the road. I know it sounds stupid.
0: Really? Right? Oh, that's so particular. I, have,
1: I know. And it sounds crazy. I was on a run today. I got a really good one. It was like three in a row. I find it so bizarre <laughs> that people put mattresses on the side of the road and they're always just the side of the road. Like it's the weirdest thing in the world. When yeah. you see one, you're like, oh my goodness, why are there so many? Well,
0: mattresses? I'm always I'm like so bed bugs, bed bugs. Yeah, just
1: gross, right? And then it's just yes. like this thing just slumped at the side of the road. Um, I have a huge collection. I mean, maybe I'll release a blog one day talking about mattresses, but <laughs> you like shouldn't. I have I have hundreds and hundreds of pictures. Wow. Like, honestly. And I'm like, I got my friends into it as well. I told them about it, and they were like, Why are you doing this? I was like, I just I don't know. I just... Because when you start
0: noticing it. it, they're everywhere, aren't they?
1: Yeah. And then I just start saying, yeah. every time I see one, I'm like, boop. And my girlfriend gets them. She's like, I t- get text messages from people randomly, like a picture of a mattress on the side of the road. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's
0: so funny. <laughs> nice. It's, yeah, it's, it's Dan's good. thing now.
1: Yeah, it is. And so if you got any mattress pictures on the side of the road, you email World at gmail.com. <laughs> <later>. But no, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see... On a serious note, though, if anybody wants to tweet me or like Instagram me, it's just at yep. the Aspie World. Super easy. Just and I will talk to every single person who messages me. That's what we do. That's how we get Team Tau going because that's yeah. the abbreviation. <laughs> uh, me, I don't know if you can see that, but everything is like Team Tau branded.
0: The Aspie yeah. World. I love it.
1: Everything. Everything is branded. Everything. T
0: A W. So Dan's showing me he's got stickers on everything that's branded with T A W, um, so I Team Tau. I even, love it.
1: Even even down to my GoPro. Look at this.
0: Oh my god, that's amazing! You've got it on everything. I love it.
1: Literally everything. It's because yeah. when you go to like VidCon and stuff.
0: Yeah, you, you, you want a
1: battery. Yeah.
0: <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, Dan, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we set you free for the day? So that you can be an awesome say. dudes. Yeah, awesome. That's Thank it. you so much, Dan. You're such a pleasure. It's Thank so you. great chatting with you. And
1: amazing. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So much. Excited to see how everything continues to grow for you
1: yeah fingers crossed it goes good
0: (laughs) (laughs) it will i know it will thank you so much (laughs) that's it folks thanks for listening as always please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod we love your feedback and suggestions so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions ideas for topics to cover in future episodes or just want to say hello We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.